Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life. And new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Well, Jello again. This is uh, Buck Benny speaking. I have my friend Bob with me, and we're going to talk about Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds episode four. 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 Episode yep. four from season two. Um, this was one I was excited about getting into, and uh, uh, in some ways it lived up to that, in some ways it didn't. Uh, I. Th- it's a tough one. I mean, uh, it's a. It, I think it's going to be confusing for a lot of folks, um, and so we need to kind of explain what's going on here. And uh, he, Bob said he was a little confused by it, and I totally could see why. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to go into what confused you or anything, or do you want me to just kind of explain the episode, or what? What do you want to do? So. I know it ties back into Menagerie. I'm just not yes. sure. How. And unless that's the planet that he was hallucinating. I don't know. You probably should just clear it up. I'll clear it up. I'll I mean, get the episode in itself, you know, sort of. Well, I'll tell you what, before we explain the episode, let's just explain the background that gets us to the episode. And, yeah. And so this will be like a, a brief history lesson on Rigel 7. So, because that's where this episode takes place is Rigel 7. So, uh, Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry creates Star Trek and decides I'm, we need to film a pilot for this show that I want to do. So, they film the pilot called The Cage with uh, Jeffrey Hunter playing Captain Pike. Uh, they create this thing. Um, I I think I think we'll just go with that. I won't even talk about how it becomes the menagerie and all of that. That's other yeah. history. Let's just let's just leave it where it is. So he writes this thing, that, or as part of writing it anyway, that is called the cage. And in this episode, they have Spock, the character Spock, limping, and the actor doesn't know why. He was just told that we want you to be limping in this episode. So you'll notice Spock limps in the cage episode. They also had where other characters, if you check in in various scenes, um, Bob has a picture pulled up of uh, the crew. Uh, In this particular shot, you can't see any of what I'm going to talk about, I don't think. Move, Move a little bit more, Bob, so I can see the guy's hand behind you. Nope, he can't use these hands. So you're, you're all good. So um, anyway, every most of the members of the crew have various bandages and things on during this episode. Um, one of them has has a, a bandage on his neck. Another has his hand wrapped up where you can tell it was injured, and and he's got like a one of those 
bandages you wrap around your hand on it. Um, almost every character has some sort of injury that they've sustained. Now, the concept of this is mentioned in the episode a few times. It was mentioned in uh, between the captain and uh, the doctor that the captain is like burned out and thinking about not being a captain anymore and things. And he envisions various situations that he could do and that wouldn't be being a captain because he had this adventure uh, like two weeks prior to the first episode that where they went to Rigel seven and Rigel seven, they were attacked. And when they were attacked, uh, three people died and, uh, and a bunch of folks were injured and they had to kind of retreat. And that was uh, the problem that happened on Rigel 7, according to the Cage episode. Now, fast forward to where we are now. We're with Captain Pike in Strange New Worlds, second season. This episode happens, um, I believe. Now, my timelines could be a little off, so bear with me. I believe it's the beginning of Strange New Worlds was three years after the cage. So roughly three years after their adventure on Rigel 7. Um, now this is a year after that. So this is probably four or five years after Rigel 7, I would think. I could believe up to seven years after Rigel 7, depending on how people are looking at it. Anyway, Rigel 7 was something that happened half a decade ago for these characters. Um, so now Starfleet has a problem with Rigel seven that they want to send a ship out to investigate. So they give it to captain Pike, knowing that he might want to take this on because he has some unfinished business on Rigel seven that he feels like it never went the right way. The first time he's one of the better captains. So they, they're going to send him to Rigel seven to deal with it. Now, during this episode, this current episode we're talking about, which is uh, episode four um, of season two, he's uh, he mentions that they were only on Rigel seven for about four hours and they ran into problems and got attacked and, and, and got out of there. Uh, And the three crew members were dead. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, we find out in this episode that one of those crew members didn't die. His yeoman that he mentions in the cage that he lost his yeoman. Um, he mentions it again here that he lost his yeoman. And and now we see his yeoman is Zach. And Zach is still alive down there. And Zach has affected the planet by um, sharing technology and things that, that came from from Starfleet. Um, and become one of the head people on the planet. Now, the planet also, uh, if you're there long enough, which they weren't in the original, that's why it had to be like four hours and they left, because the, the storyline here is that it erases, there's a, a meteoroid that crashed there, I guess, and and you lose your memory, um, at least your your 
what would it be your short your your short term memory I guess would be what's affected. You keep your long term memory, so you can still uh, do a lot of the function, a lot of the functions you're, you've repeatedly done and things. But you'll forget like who you are and while you're uh, and so forth. Um, which isn't really short-term memory. I guess that's, I guess you're losing your midterm memory and short-term, I don't know, whatever. Keep your, I think it's more like you keep your road skills. Yes. You get while you're doing them. Yeah. You don't so, know, what, you know what your function is. Right. And the argument is for some fans is that this didn't have to be Rigel 7. It could have been any planet that has this. I mean, I think what they were trying to do they were trying to come up with an adventure where he goes back to Rigel 7 because I think that's a pretty cool concept to go back to something that was mentioned in the pilot. We've never really gone there. Things Now, I don't know the history of all the different various series. What it sounds like is Rigel 7 has at least been mentioned on, say, Enterprise and maybe like Deep Space Nine or something where, where Rigel seven's gotten mentioned. I don't know if anyone's ever gone back there um, in, in any of the series. I kind of doubt it. Cause I don't think they would be introducing this thing. Um, I suppose they could say this was a, a, a new phenomenon that happened with, with the meteor crashing. And I mean, if, if they'd went back, well, no, but no, anyway, I, I don't know. So, uh, so, I mean, I get that, 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 that they're introducing a science fiction piece, this memory loss thing to a planet. We don't know much about that's Rigel seven. Why couldn't it be any other planet? It could be in the writer's room. I assume they're, they're bannering back and forth about ideas and are like, how can we do this? Well, I had this story that I was thinking about for a planet. Oh, let's tie that into the Rigel seven thing. And that's why we can go revisit Rigel seven. Um, I don't know. And it, and it explains why they wear the helmets they wear and things so that they keep their memories and things, I guess, for certain parts of their society. Um, anyway, that kind of lets you know the background of how this episode gets started a little bit. Um, we'll talk about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that extra baggage is worth claiming, grabbing onto because it confuses people like like Bob was saying was this an imaginary world in uh Pike's head you know because they they go to Rigel 7 the other thing is in the cage they go to Rigel 7 through his memories through being with Vina and and everything but that is that's through Pike's eyes what Rigel 7 looked like and was like um how accurate that was, who knows? Uh, it wasn't really Rigel 7. It was his memory of, of being at Rigel 7 two weeks earlier. Um, so that's how it seems imaginary, but it's not. Um, it's a real world Rigel 7, supposedly. But uh, the the version we saw of it was a hallucination, I guess, that, that Pike was having. But Pike did, they did talk about it being a true thing that happened to them. They all had various problems because of it. Um, it definitely seems like it banged up the crew some and things from the time they were there. Uh, and they got banged up this time too. Uh, you know, they almost killed La'an, I guess. Um, but 
I don't know. What what do you think it was worth going back there? Because I mean, you're a a fairly large Star Trek fan, and it even confused you, Bob. So I don't know if it was worth confusing. I mean, I would have to or... had it gone back and rewatched the cage, I might have got it. I but it seems like a lot of work to ask an audience member to go through to get a plot point that's not all that important. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's important that they left the yeoman there, and and and, and, and you know that has some, but they, but they didn't even play that part up that much in the story for being the bad guy or the main bad whatever of the story. He's only featured in a couple scenes just when they first get there. And then at the very end, when they navigate themselves back to the palace, there's a piece. But a lot of it is them just dealing with this whole memory thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. To me, to me, it's probably too many, too many hoops to ask folks to jump through. Because essentially they're saying, remember that adventure we never showed you? That we talked in about, a, sort of? In a pilot, but, in a pilot that doesn't get shown part as part of regular Star Trek. Correct. When you get it, it's split up into two pieces in the menagerie. Right. So you never, unless you go back and watch the pilot, which I may have seen the pilot, but it's been no. many years. Well, and you don't have to watch the pilot. You can watch the menagerie and you still get the same thing. All the shots that count are, in, this, are in there. Uh, I haven't seen that one the for scene with The scene with the doctor and, and Pike talking, that's in the, in, uh, the menagerie. <laughs> All the injured folks. That's in the menagerie. Um, his his hallucinating or whatever it is where he goes back to Rigel Seven. That's in the menagerie. So I mean, it's all there whether you watch the cage or the menagerie. This w- still works. It's just it's kind of like if we went to a place that was mentioned in that Kirk mentioned some Regillion Seven Eight. I don't know whatever. I, you know, I had an adventure there once with, well, I think, uh, okay, I've got a good example. Um, in the second pilot, uh, Kirk is talking to Gary Mitchell and, and Gary says, remember when we went down to that planet and I saved your life and I took that dart meant for you or whatever. Well, we never had that adventure, but we were told about it. I suppose yeah. it'd be like if you had, Kirk go back to that planet with the darts and do something. I, 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 you're sort of doing an adventure that never really took place yeah. other than uh, it was mentioned. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was worth it. Because, I mean, like, even like I said, I watched the Ray Room and he's talking, I was, you know, the, 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 basically the scenery guys are talking about how great it was to go back there. Yeah. And I'm like, when we were there, it didn't tie to me. You yeah. know, he said I've seen, but it's been probably six or seven years since I've watched the menagerie. So, right. I mean, I, I would had I done watch the cage, maybe that would have tied in. Yeah. I mean, all you really didn't know was he left somebody behind in some battle. That probably would have been sufficient. Yeah. But, Which is what they told you. Yeah. I, I think what they were going for is you don't have to have this information. All you have to know is. Bunch of people died. He left tech and, 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 and it affected Pike. And Pike gets to go back. And when he goes back, he runs into one of the people that he thought was dead. 
Yeah. Um, and then they have this adventure. Uh, all the other stuff is just for the deep dive fans that can get into the fact that, oh my goodness, I mentioned this in the pilot and all this, all, all of that sort of thing. Um, for me, I've always kind of wanted to do, to see what Ragel Seven was like and things. So I was, I was happy to have it. It's just in your head, you always think it's going it, to, it's such a big event. They're just like, oh, no, this is more like a season ender event that should be a two parter that should have this great adventure that happened with Rigel Seven. But this was kind of a throwaway standard episode. Uh, concept that, like you say, could be any other planet that they landed on and had this same adventure sort of happen. It didn't have to be Rigel 7. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, overall, I mean, taking out the whole Rigel 7 piece and the whole tying into history and all of that, yeah, it was a fairly entertaining episode. It wasn't one of the best. It was probably probably the, uh, the one I'd rank lowest in the season so far. But it's been a season of really, really good episodes. So, you know, I think I think my average so far is probably like eight or nine out of ten for, for these first number of episodes. And this one's probably like a seven out of ten or something. I don't know. Um, the whole ride, if I throw in the Rigel 7 piece, for me, it kind of knocks it up another half point or something. So it becomes an eight episode. But for most people, it's probably going to be quite a bit less. Um as far as an episode, what did you think, Bob? Um, I mean, I, I think you hit it on the head. I didn't think it was the best episode of the season for sure. Yeah. I'd probably give it a seven and a half, maybe. It was also sort of a um, Ortega, sort of her episode in some ways. Some ways, yeah. Um, I'd say it was her episode and Pike's episode. Those yeah. two kind of shared the stage. It was more of an... A B storyline, and we're maybe used to seeing it, which in a way gives it extra points. Even though I didn't love the A and B storyline that much, but the fact that certainly the original Star Trek always had A and B storylines sort of going on, and so this felt like probably more than any other episode. It felt like if you put Kirk, Spock, McCoy beaming down to the planet, having that adventure they have, and, it, and it's Scotty and Ahura that are, and Sulu or whatever, that are running the, the ship and having the problems they had on the ship. This could totally be a season one, season two episode of the original Star Trek, and I wouldn't even questioned it. It would have been like, okay, it would fit in. It, w- it wouldn't have been one of my favorite uh, original series episodes. It would I wouldn't have hated it. That's pretty amazing right there, threading that needle. That is hard to do an episode that truly you can go, oh, my goodness, this could be a regular uh, old school TOS episode and it would work. Um, so that that to me is extra points as well. So, yep, yeah, it's got yeah. the yeah, the old feel of uh, Scotty on the ship and they so have what's going on in the ship. There are problems and the landing party's problems which combine together. Yes. So, Yeah. I, I did at the end. I'm mean, talking about later on in some other series. They were clearing the asteroid field at the end of this episode, so they were clear. It was the rate the asteroid field that was causing the radiation, right? So they were getting rid of the problem. I mean, the root of the problem. Yes. So if you go to some place like I don't know, Deep Space Nine, and that they wouldn't have had that issue. 
Correct. If you went to, to Enterprise, which happens prior. Then- prior, yeah, that was kind yeah. of throwing me off. I was going, oh, wait, that wouldn't make sense with Enterprise. It'd still have the pro-. Or maybe it was before the meteor actually crashed. Yeah. If the meteor crashed in the last 50 years, then, you know, and, and that could be, who knows? So I, I don't know. And I, like I say, I don't even know how much they were featured. I don't know if they were just mentioned in those episodes or whether they actually went there. I don't know. So that's okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, the more I think about it in, in so many ways, th- the fact that they wrote this almost like a TOS episode and everything, it almost goes up in my esteem of it. Um, yeah, it does, that does. That point does yeah, help. Yeah. It's that, it's that same sort of feel. Yeah. And it's just, and you can't say that about many of the other episodes. You go back to a different episode, you go, okay, how would this work? And you go, okay, it would kind of work, but it wouldn't really. This one pretty much would just work almost verbatim if you just, you know, um, but losing the, let's just lose it as Rigel 7 and it's something else because that wouldn't tie into Kirkwell or anything. But anyway, but uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted with this season so far. I think it's going really well. Uh, and they keep on saying that it gets even better. Every actor that they talk to mentions like the last two episodes is by far the best of the season. Um, you know, I've heard people, some people are, are uh, saying that this season isn't as good as season one. I don't know. To me, I think it's certainly I like the first four episodes better than the first four episodes of season one. Granted the fourth episode of season one is the, the Gorn episode that we love so much. And that one was still the best episode of the whole series, probably so far. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one where they're fighting them in space in space. Yeah. Yeah. That episode was good. Yeah. I actually like the season better so far. This season, season yeah. two. Yeah. I, I think so. I think it, I like how it's featuring more of the different crew members and things. Uh, I like that. Um, some folks online are, are are like, you know, they were paying this, that this was going to be an Erica episode. And they're feeling like this wasn't really an Erica episode. It was more of a Pike with the B storyline going to Erica, which I would agree is what this is. Um, and they're saying uh, they're going to be upset if this is the Erica episode of, for the season. If this is, a strong Erica episode, but she still gets another episode where she's featured even more Then I think the fans will be generally happy. Um, it's tough. I mean, you've got 10 episodes. You've got a good, what, seven actors that people kind of want to see get an episode. I mean, that makes it pretty prescribed, which I don't know if you want either to go, oh, Here's Lon's episode. Oh, here's Erica's episode. Oh, here's the doctor's episode. Oh, here's Nurse Chapel's episode. And, it's like, and they also like season three. They took pretty much all the crew out except for Lon, right? So you have just her. So yeah, um, I mean, at least this episode, several characters got some screen time. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's going to be interesting to see what what do you do now? I mean, like Lon, for instance has gotten heavily featured this season. Do you go, okay, let's just bury La'an and not have her featured much in, in the next number of episodes? I, I don't know. I don't know what, what you do. I just know that 
I think what they've done with with uh, Nurse Chapel is pretty effective because she's in as a featured player, but not episode being about her in a number of the first season and second season. So it feels like she's had more episodes that are about her when they're really not. She's just yeah. in the mix. And I think that's almost the best way to go when you only have 10 episodes a season. Cause it, I wouldn't enjoy it much if it was, Oh, this week is just this person. This week is the focus is on this other person. I mean, I like the whole group working together. So you just kind of have some episodes that lean a little more into certain characters. I think it was great that this one featured Erica more because it could have easily, you could have given some of that stuff to Laon or something. Um, now granted she went down to the planet. That was good. Um, so she, she was still in it. Um, certainly I think, uh, nurse chapel didn't have too much to do in this one. I don't believe, but it looks like the next episode, is going to be like a Spock Chapel one, maybe. So we'll. She was there. I mean, she was, yeah. you know, in sick bay. Yeah. Because uh, the doctor was down on the planet. So right. um, she, she did get featured there, not a ton, but quite a bit. Right. And the doctor, this season, I would say the doctor is getting a lot more featured. Yeah. Than the previous year. Yeah. Which I think he was probably the one of the under featured players last year so they're making yeah. up for that the person it seems like they still have to make up some ground on is una who needs another episode where yeah. she's the center person you know she wasn't i mean she was on the ship but she wasn't really featured that much no no as like you think she'd be taking command for well it, it's it's that she lost her memory so early yeah on, yeah right it became Spock and and Erica that were, and then Spock kind of loses it, which kind of is a Spock was always the one in the original series that kind of kept it together for a while. Correct. And this one, he's he's pretty much gone. Yeah, I mean, I love the part where he creates the the tablets that have their information about you that you can read. Yeah, and then he realizes he can't read anymore. He can't read the language because he's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that was that was a funny bit. Uh, I think this is supposed to help me, but I, I can't read this. <laughs> he, um, folks are saying that that his humor is they're loving it that they that they're bringing out his humor so much, and and I do too. I mean, I think he just does such a nice job with that character. Um, it, it, I, I couldn't. I don't know how I could be enjoying this whole series more than I am. I mean, even when the episodes have a slight miss or something, it's so easy to forgive and just go, you know, that's if you gave me carte blanche to be writing this whole thing and thinking, okay, okay, I can, I can control it all. Oh my goodness. I can, it's all me. There's no way it would be this good. I mean, they're, they're, they're just doing a really, really nice job. So my, my fear, my, my hope, slash fear is that they my hope is that they keep going for years to come with this thing uh, my fear is that of course with since their merger and things and they're killing a lot of various series i hope this doesn't get one of the ones that chopped but uh i can't imagine it because i just read online today this morning that uh 
this is one of the top 10 shows in all of at least all of streaming, but I think it might've been like all of uh, entertainment or whatever. I mean, it was like a, a big, big thing that it was this uh, doing this well. So anyway, I think it's, they're going to, this would be the last one they would cut. I mean, they cut this one and they pretty much cut all Star Trek. Probably. Yeah. Right. It, it, if you're limiting yeah. Star Trek altogether, then, then it would get cut. You're right. You're right. It's like, because they only have this in lower decks, and I really don't see them cutting this one and going, we're just going to put everything into lower decks and be an animation thing. So, no. um, I oh, think that's right. we're saving. Lower decks is going to cross over. Yes. That's going to be interesting. Exactly. Well, and who knew when it was going to cross over that it was going to be the the last? I mean, these these are they're crossing over the two series that are still going to exist, right? Because, I mean, if they were crossing over with Discovery or something, well, Discovery is going away. Or they were crossing over with Picard. Picard has gone. Gone. Yeah. So so it's the only thing they can cross over with. And we'll see how well that works. I mean, certainly it sounds like a, a bunch of the actors, they were all, you know, open to it. Uh, I, think, I think Anson Mount was the most honest when he was like, it sounded like his basic thought process at the beginning was, how is this even going to work? And doesn't this undercut, you yeah. know, kind of our series and make it into kind of a joke. But I think he, but he's always been a fan too of having humorous episodes because he thinks that's the original series had episodes that were humorous and episodes that were more straightforward, you know? So, so uh, I think it's good to have humor. So it seemed like it turned out well. He seemed very happy with it. Like pleasantly so surprised. Well, how it went, so yeah, I'm kind of kind of curious how that is going to exactly. Go. I mean, it's it's the the thing they've obviously been told to say in interviews is, oh, we did some big swings because they, they keep mentioning big swings. If you watch any interviews with any of them. They'll say we did big swings, which essentially means we, we really tried to hit it out of the park. And, of course, when you do big swings as a baseball player, you might get a home run, but you might get struck out, right? So so it's just saying some of these things might not work. Uh, we'll find out. that Of everything, that would be the one that would have the highest chance of not working, I would think. But if they can pull that one off, it's going to be pretty impressive. The other thing, of course – that sounds like it my guess is episode nine might be this. Everybody's talking about episode nine and how great that is. All the actors. Uh no one's totally telling us, but we do have like uh Christina Chong, who plays Laon, mentioned that they decided to go with a concept she pitched early like to them like when she was first got the role she said oh if we could ever do this in an episode that would be great you know and they came back to her and said we decided to do it and and it sounds like it's that episode nine that they do that and what was she talking about i don't know but knowing that she's a singer who has now multiple songs out makes me think and i've heard that there was they were considering like a musical episode of some sort 
Well, it wouldn't be surprise me if that's episode nine is a musical episode that the cast, any cast that's going to do a musical episode tends to love their musical episode because it's a fun thing to do. Is it going to be entertaining to an audience? So we shall see. One, is episode nine going to be musical? If it is a musical, is it going to work? It, you know, we'll see. That so, would be weird. I mean, I know. That's a bit. Yeah, because I think what you end up with is some sort of science framing piece right at the beginning where we're in some strange place that doesn't let us communicate unless we sing or I don't know. It'll be pushing. I don't know when there was something else that she came up with because I'm not that big of a fan of musicals in general. Right. you have to have some alternate weird world and God knows going back to like the original series. I mean, Kirk and, you know, Nimoy and Shatner really can't sing. No, luckily Nimoy and Shatner aren't on this. We we do know there are multiple people on this series that can sing. So um, certainly they were, they were, they were mentioning that they might consider something like that on discovery is some musical episode because they had people that were in Broadway plays and they were, they were known for their singing in Broadway plays and things. Um, but in this case, also we have people, we, one of, one of the cast members of her is, uh, was well, her- on Broadway and won, uh, uh, what did they win a Tony? Right. I think she won a Tony or a Grammy or whatever for, for singing the soundtrack. That's that's interesting because you know you, Nicole and Michelle Nichols could sing, right? Because you heard right. her singing in the episode. I think they were in the, like in the lounge or something. Yes, and she's and she's singing with and, those, and like, Spock's playing along with her on his yeah, instrument. Lyra, and it's interesting yeah. that they pulled this year. They pulled Spock's well, instrument yeah. back, yeah. and they've shown that a couple times. That maybe that ties into the musical up. I don't know. Uh, we sh- we shall see what we end up getting, but. Uh, let me put it this way. I'm fine if they attempted it and we'll see. I mean, uh, I think it's one of those things that might be an episode where I enjoy it personally and give it a high ranking, but I, I could easily see myself saying, boy, but I think other fans are just not going to be into this. Um, or it could be that, that I'm totally wrong. And, and maybe they, maybe it's another idea that Lon had about her character and that they should do something. Um, who knows? It could be Gorn related for all I know. Yeah, maybe they'll go down and like, he gets captured by the Gorn or something. I don't know. And have to fight the Gorn on the, planet. yeah. Cause, cause she knew that was her back history. Maybe she pitched something with that and, and they decided to go with it. It's, Cause we know the Gorn and, are going to get featured more somehow. Or maybe she pitched a whole Gorn war. I mean, I don't know. So yeah. we'll find out what she was pitching and what they were <laughs> receiving and how they how they decided to do it. Um, anyway, another really good episode. Um, like I say, I liked. I liked. Uh, I think. I think this is the maybe the some of the best acting we've seen from Pike all season. Uh, because we haven't seen that much of Pike all season. I mean, because we were talking about before where he had a little baby at the beginning of, of filming. I think they knew, they of course knew his wife was pregnant. And so uh, they kind of sort of seems like wrote him 
out as much as they could from the first number of episodes. And this is the first episode where he's really yeah. heavily back in featured. He's, so he's in with his significant other. Yeah. And he's on the planet. He's mm-hmm. a major, major focus on the planet. Right. And he, we get to see him. I think it's good for his character. If sometimes he makes a mistake or does something that, that you think is ill-advised. Um, Cause he's so perfect. He's like the perfect starship captain or whatever that you kind of need to every once in a while, knock him down a notch, make him human. And so this whole thing with his um, significant other and that she, because of them not feeling like she put her full energy into uh, the whole Una court situation that they decided not to promote her to Commodore from captain and they promoted somebody else instead. And then Pike immediately goes to, I'm getting in your way. I'm, I'm holding you back because I did that because you didn't get that promotion because of me. We shouldn't be together anymore sort of thing, which is when someone doesn't get a promotion they were going to get, then you dump them on top of that. Not, the most sensitive of thought, you know, certainly something that in my head, I would have been thinking, you know, maybe this is something that in a few months we should talk about and see whether it's worthwhile in us pursuing this relationship, because if it's negatively affecting her career, I don't want that, but at least I would know enough to not dump her on the day that she finds, well, the day, 30 seconds after she gets off the phone, essentially telling her that she, that she didn't get the Commodore ship. Oh, and I'm going to dump you as well. (laughs) It's like, give me a break. Um, But it was neat to see him at the end, go back, apologize, tell her he's sorry, ask if, if for her forgiveness and whether they can move on and things. I mean, I think that was a neat thing to see that you don't see. I've never seen Kirk do anything like that even in that same ballpark. Um, So it's kind of neat to see somebody have a regular sort of relationship trouble that might happen. Uh, Certainly when you work with somebody else, you know, it it always gets tricky. I mean, I'm a school counselor and I, uh, my wife was a teacher at the building when I met her and uh, you know, we told folks we were going to have a relationship, but they're like, my principal, I remember my principal was like, well, you better make sure it works. (laughs) 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 But for us, it worked out pretty slick in that right after we got married, she got a different job at a different uh, school. And so we weren't at the same school, which made for less conflict and things. But ever since then, I mean, we've, She's been a principal. She was a teacher and I was a counselor. And then she was a principal. Then she was a counselor. And we were both counselors. And then she became a principal. And so it just changes the dynamic of our relationship and how you handle work and really, you know, all that. So certainly this whole thing with two captains having a relationship. I mean, I can somewhat empathize. Certainly my job's not as cool as being a starship captain, but. But it is tricky managing 
personal life and work and trying to not let it affect someone else's. I think there are things that happen with my wife and I where either maybe we got a promotion that we wouldn't have gotten or maybe, or that they wouldn't have thought about us for, but because our spouse was in the district, they, you know, it kind of gives you maybe a push up. And I think there's some things where, uh, certainly for her, I think where she was trying to become a principal, where there were things where they go, well, you know, that kind of creates a conflict between her and her husband. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, that caused her to not get a principalship as quickly as she would have or something. So, and so that is very similar to this episode in that kind of a way. But uh, anyway, so um, what, what do you, what did you think about the relationship piece? Were you, are you happy to see them do that? Is that something you wish they didn't spend any time on getting into the science fiction? I don't know. Uh, no, I thought, because that's an ongoing thing in the whole series is those two. Yeah. And you're wondering after the last episode, whether that was, they were going to split up because there was a lot that tension between a lot of tension. Yeah. 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 So it, it was a little weird that Pike, like I said, yeah, literally dumped her 30 seconds after she got off the phone. <laughs> and, and then number one's like, uh, you're doing that thing again. Yeah. So he goes, like, what thing? Oh, you push people away when they get close. So, yeah, obviously this that relationship is going to go on. Right. And and these episodes, the, the the trial one and this one, are nice to have, you know. They weren't back-to-back, but they're close. Because uh, the other one was just kind of a separate adventure with Lon. But the Una-Pike relationship has been an interesting one to to have them continual to to be like they've known each other for a long time and and she can be uh point things out to him that other people probably couldn't yeah and so that's that's a cool dynamic to have and we've been talking about as as any of our listeners will know we've been talking about una not having a play what is what is her why does that character need to exist? Sort of, right? Uh, in that Lawn takes up a lot of ground that Una could uh, do. Other than she's in the pilot. I mean, yes. yes. They, but I, I think, think her they, having a unique relationship to the captain where they can have dialogue that, that you can't have any other character have with him is kind of cool. And yeah, so they should play, that's they should, a useful thing for her to be able to do. They should play that up. And they also, yeah. I think this episode, I think I would have rewrote it so that, you know, Spock was out. Of course, yeah, it actually kind of bugged me that Spock was out early because that was not how the original series was. But have Una keep her memories longer than everybody else and try to keep it together. Right. That better for that character if they would have done yes. that. But, but I think just, they were more focused on the Erica this being an Eric episode, but yeah, I think so too. I think, I think every time I think Una needs someone in the writing room that's in her corner and is like going, wait a minute, here's another way we can feature Una a little bit because she needs every benefit she can get to. And it, like, you know, they're, you see, keep hearing on the ready room. They started season two before they even, Season one was even out, so Correct. Like, the feedback from, um, sorry, hang on, they didn't get the feedback from the first season. I, I don't know if is anybody telling them 
that this character is just not. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that, like I say, I think the feedback only the beginnings of feedback started like mid season. So probably still not there yet. Probably maybe next episode of the episode after that is where they'll, they were getting the initial feedback from the series, but that wouldn't be enough to steer anything yet. Um, they never got information from the entire series before they were done filming. I don't think so. Uh, because I think the 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 airing of season one and the ending of filming on season two happened almost the exact same time, so uh, I'm amazed that they were able to do this well without getting any audience feedback really uh, for any of this. Um, that 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 amazes me to know to to no end just how how well they're doing with this. Um, and you know we're always fighting for the Una piece. Uh, I, yeah. and not not because not because I don't think it's because any of us love necessarily the Una character or the actress that's doing it or anything. It's just I like the fact that she comes from the original series. I like I just want them to find a place that she fits, and it seems like this fit with her and Pike. I, I like if it was me, I'd be writing her. Whenever they're alone, I'd have her be referring to him as Chris. Yeah, they did that. It just creates a different feel for a character when they can do that. Um, certainly in the original series, whenever Spock would call Kirk Jim, it would lead, it would be a deeper scene. There would be something more to it, some more meat to it. It wouldn't happen very often. Um, and even Dr. McCoy, when he would call him Jim from time to time, it would carry more weight. And uh, and I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't have Spock calling him Chris until sometime later in the series. I don't know when that happens, but you're going to have to eventually show, I think, um, Pike and Spock getting closer, have a couple adventures together where their lives depend on each other, something but I wouldn't rush that. That can be season two, season three, season four, you know, down the road. But the Una thing, I think because it's historic, they need to be adding that right away and keep on having her give him yeah. her opinions and, and him seeking her opinion on things. Um, asking her to stay behind when they're done meeting and saying, well, what do you think? You know, I think that would go a long way to establishing the importance of her character no. to him. I also think they need a, they need to give her a bigger command presence, and this was a yes. opportunity they didn't take. Again, yeah. she's like not really even command. I mean, you think it's Pike and Spock, yeah, and even like even like Lon and Ortega more than her. Yes, you need to. Yeah, I don't like I said. I don't know if they'll fix that or not. I don't know. I, I think they should as well. And it's hard when you see certain episodes and you go, oh. If they would have done it in this one, that would work. This is another one of those times when it could have worked. Yeah, so you could have Erica. Yeah, you have it all be almost the same. You just want her to hold on a little longer, so that she she and Erica would be the two main people, and then have her lose it, and have Eric have them both lose it. Then, 
And then I have Erica have to do her whole thing of where she's Erica says she's the pilot of the ship and, that, that and does her thing. Um, that, that I think that that was kind of I don't know felt a little cheesy. He's like, I'm Erica and I pilot the ship. I'm Erica and I pilot the ship. Yeah, I know that was. I mean, she's just trying to keep yeah from forgetting. So, but which is what I would do too. So, so I think it makes you empathize with the character more and things. So I, I thought that that was good. It was all right. Um, it's just it's too bad you can't go back and redo season one. There's just a couple episodes where if they would have just featured Una a little more and given her a few of the lines that somebody else had, that it would have cemented her more as that second in command. Um, like I say, it's never too late. And I still think at any point, if you just have a couple episodes where Pike's like, I'm leaving the ship in your capable hands or something. And then he goes off in the away team or whatever. And she runs into a situation where she has to be a leader. Even if it's the B storyline, it's fine. Um, just a couple of those situations could go a long way. But yeah. This, we'll see if they this, said this, this one would have been, could have been one of them. It could have been. That's, that's the frustrating piece, right? You go, Oh, we could do, we could use this as, as one of our things. We need to build up one of our characters, which is Una, but yeah, didn't do it. So, yeah. Anyway. Yep. So, oh, I guess we need to figure out our character and our rating and everything. So, uh, I I mean, I think we already said, sort of, we rated it towards the beginning of the episode where we're talking, but uh, I'll stick with my... If I, if I don't consider a lot of... If I just look at the writing of the episode and don't tie it into any history, nothing it probably would be a six and a half or a seven. When I tied into the fact that this is the only episode of the entire series that I can think of where you could completely drop it in TOS and it would work. And on top of that, that it ties into the Rigel seven and it ties into uh, the pilot uh, and things. I have to raise it to like an eight and a half, I would think. Um, and then as for the actor that that got served the most, or the character character slash actor that that did the best job or got served the best, um, I'll go with. It's hard. I have to go with. I'll split it. I'll go with Pike and Erica. I think they both were featured nicely. I think Pike, there was more depth in what he was doing, but it was nice to see Erica have to step up and and. Uh, do some things and she did some nice the actress did some nice acting too with having to not be get to go down the way team that she was really looking forward to and things her interactions with spock were funny i mean there was just a lot of good things so uh that's what i would do bob i guess i'm gonna all bump it to an eight because yeah. of the, just because of the dual a b timeline that would have worked um yeah this Man, we I guess we're gonna agree. I can't say this is completely an Eric episode. You have no. to give there was some good development by Ansem Mount from the Pike character. So yes. yeah, I think we'll go with the the same thing. I think it was the, it was definitely an attempt to feature Ortega more. Right. For sure. Well, uh, the other person I'll I'll say that I don't think we'll ever get our tip of the hat for a whole episode or anything, but I got to respect is the actress that plays the other captain 
that's Pike's uh, girlfriend yeah. or significant other in that they throw her a lot of depth into what she has to do where she, uh, you know, uh, at the end of last season, the beginning of this season is kind of going against the grain of Pike and uh, Una and everything. Right. And has to be, has to be the prosecutor for him and everything uh, for Una and, uh, and the relation, the strain that put on the relationship with Pike, you can see it, it comes across interacting. And then this whole, uh, losing a promotion, having Pike dump on her, the way she deals with that, and then and then comes back and and they can have her act, uh, you know, accepting his apology and every. I mean, she's doing a lot of work on her end, and I got to give her kudos. Yeah, for that. yeah. No, one of the that makes me. Oh, there's two things, two thoughts. One is we didn't, we haven't seen Dupring this season. Correct. And two, I did notice something else that's sort of a tie back to the old show is at the end of this episode like everybody's back on the bridge yes like you have uh i know there's chapels on the bridge it's like seems the whole crew is on the bridge, the bridge. Close to it, right which is something they would do in the original where they would like spock would say something and kirk and mccoy would laugh it's it's sort of like that i might have to re-watch the end of this because now that you mentioned that i didn't really notice that but you're 100 percent right that they did do that and Again, what ties into it being able to completely be a TOS episode if you wanted it to be, because it's just, it's like whoever was writing this or the writing team, they had to be going, okay, how else can we make this be like a TOS episode? And and because it and totally I'm, feels like that's what I, they were hitting on. I'm trying to remember who all was on the bridge. I just, I just remember that Nurse Chapel was there, which I thought was interesting because normally she's not Correct. on the bridge. So I thought they were trying to do that homage yep. to the old. I, exactly. Well, and on the original, you would often have characters you wouldn't normally see on the bridge. On the bridge, how often was Scotty on the bridge at the end of the episode and laughing with them about whatever the joke was at the end of the episode or whatever? So yeah, interesting. Um, did it, this episode feature the new engineer at all? Nope. I didn't no. think she was in it, was she? I don't no. remember no. her even in a background shot or anything. No. Nope. Um, which is interesting with how much she was featured in the other episodes so far. So interesting. Well, it would have been, they could have done that too. They could have played with her character. Does she lose her memory just like everybody else? You would think her memory would be different than most people's because she's so much older and has so much more, you know, uh, would have to have better memories or better memory system than most. I mean, you would think if you're going to live to be, you know, 800 years old or something that you would. Yeah, no, they didn't have memory I issues. Recall, yeah. I don't, if she was on there, I didn't notice. Certainly wasn't featured in any way. I mean, if she was in the no. back, I didn't notice. But I, I, I do think, though, if I'm writing this, it'd be tough. Right. It'd be like, it'd be a great, the way she's older than everybody else and the memory issues that would be interesting to deal with with her character. Having said that, I'm like, we can't have her character be featured in every episode or something. And it feels like she's been featured a lot. 
So I, I would agree totally with leaving her out of it entirely. Don't even, because because by not even having her appear, they don't even have to deal with the fact of her memory being different or anything like that. It's and just. Because she got tons of air on one, two, and three. So Yeah, think, she did. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. this is probably a good choice. I think so too. Because uh, it would have been an easy one to make her even become more of a her show than a Erica show or something if you wanted to write it slightly differently. But I don't think the timing was right. If they would have done this one, you know, sometime next season or the end of this season, maybe they could do that. But at this point, Erica needed featuring, and I think that's good that they did. So, all right, well, we'll leave it there and let folks enjoy this episode like we say we're enjoying this season all together so and watch daryl's recap at the beginning and then you'll understand what's going on yeah <laughs> i try it's like it, it, well, it's a tricky one that cleared it up for me well good good I, I hope so all right and uh we'll see you guys next time for episode five i guess five. halfway through the season already next week that's crazy yeah uh, i'm looking forward to if they do this movie thing they're talking about. I think that'll be a fun way to get a little more uh, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. So we'll see. Thanks, Bob. Today I chat with the captain of the Enterprise, Christopher Pike, a.k.a. Anson Mount, about confronting the past. We get an up-close look at the amazing props from this week's episode, and we go behind the scenes to discover what went into creating Rigel 7's spectacular sets. The Ready Room starts right now. Hey nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek Universe. In this week's episode, Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise return to Rigel 7 to correct a mistake from the past. But since I don't want to accidentally interfere with the evolution of your streaming this episode, I am calling for a red alert! Just like the radiation on Rigel 7 blocks its people's memories, I want to block spoilers from ruining your viewing experience. So if you haven't seen Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 4, titled Among the Lotus Eaters, go undercover to your castle, stream it, and return to the ready room for all of the details. Today, I am thrilled to be talking with Anson now, who plays Captain Christopher Pike about love, loss, and duty, as well as what the future holds for the Enterprise's commanding officer. In this week's episode, the Enterprise crew returns to Rigel 7. This is a planet that first appeared in Star Trek's original pilot episode, The Cage, as a sort of illusion given to Captain Pike by his captors, the Talosians. Later, we'll explore how Strange New World's production team updated Rigel 7's design while also staying true to the planet's nearly 60-year history in Star Trek canon. But first, during their away mission to Rigel 7, Captain Pike, Security Chief La'an, and Dr. Umbenga are captured and forced to rely on a unique combination of primitive tools and Starfleet tech to survive. We here in the Ready Room thought you might like a closer look at the incredible props the Enterprise crew used in this week's episode. Control Room, engage. Working on Star Trek, you work with a lot of different departments. Justin Craig, the set decorator, does certain things, like he'll do all the big parts of the set, like the seats and chairs and the tables. 
And then we come in and we do the little stuff like the cutlery, the bowls and plates. So we have to really dance well together. You don't want to have everything arrive on set and it not look like it's the same language. There's a lot of communication between the art directors, between set deck, between costumes, lighting, to make sure this all works. And because we're second season, we know how this machine works now and we've got a rhythm to the show. And everybody's got this kind of like unspoken language, like we just help each other out. So it's a lot of fun to work with all the different departments. What we really tried to lean into this season was the canon of what we have from TOS, because it works. In episode one of season two, Spock has his loot. It's an iconic prop from the original TOS. We wanted to stay true to the design because it's a beautiful design. It worked, it looked good. So we basically had the builders just flush it out and create um, almost uh, an exact replica of it. We modified a couple colors and such, but it stays true to the original. Ethan, when he was playing the lute on set, we had brought in a harpist to help him figure out the strings of it. It doesn't sound good at all. Um, we can't tune it, but we wanted to make sure that um, Ethan could get the, the fingering right uh, in the scene. So we brought somebody in just to teach him how to do that. So it paid off. He had about three or four loot, uh, loot lessons and it then looked great in the scene and ended up playing two episodes in season two. In episode 201, we see Spock having a drink of blood wine with the Klingons at the end of the episode. We were the captain there and we wanted to make it look a bit nicer than the regular Klingon blood wine set. So this is a riff on the original blood wine glasses that were used. So we found them, they're basically just measuring cups. We 3D printed the part, molded it, and then wrapped it around these uh, just to give them some texture and make them look a bit more upscale and like they were the captain's set. In the scene, they have to reach in and that's how they get their blood wine. It's not poured into their cup, they just reach in. So we had to make a vessel of some kind. So this is just basically a flower pot that we got that we ended up building a, 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 a simple base for. And again, taking the 3D printed elements that we had molded here and we added it around the edge here just to give it some detailing so it all kind of pulled in together. In episode two, Una is on trial, and it's a kickback to the Menagerie episode from TOS. So we wanted to kind of follow all the flavor of what that was. And one of the big things in the Menagerie episode was the bell. So it's a Mariner's bell, and we tracked out who built it and who, where it came from. So this is almost exactly like the original. There's a base that we've added to it, and then we just, as a little detail, we added a little strike melon as well. The other thing from episode two was the accommodations that uh, the different characters wore on their uniforms. So in the original episodes of TOS, they were fabric. So we wanted to go with something that looked like that, but we wanted to do our updated version of it. We don't actually have details as to what these different accommodations are, but each character, we wanted to divide them up. So it would be a different service where they were poster or whatever, and then they would just grow as you would add to them. So Lawn has less, than Spock would, for instance. And these kept changing to the day we shot it. Even on the day we were shooting this, we were modifying these and changing them up, moving them around, cutting them down. And then we had to mark them with a red dot at the top so the on-set crew knew which way they were oriented and so everybody was on the same page and that we could make sure that all of them looked uniform. In episode two or three, Lon gets gifted a time travel device. The design for this basically was inspired by the communicator. So we want to stay in the same vibe as that, but we wanted to keep it really simple, like a 60s kind of vibe. It's milled out of aluminum, the outsides are plastic, and there's light in the center here that is cued by a remote control that can go from red to green on cue. 
prop breaks apart really easily with the batteries inside. And so we kept it really, really simple, and I was glad we did because it actually ended up looking really slick and really nice. So you're telling me that there's an alternate timeline where I'm not the captain of this ship. Also for episode 203, we meet James T. Kirk and not in the Federation because it's a different world completely. I have to stop you there, ma'am. I have never heard of this Starfleet. So we had to do a different kind of Delta for him, which was actually a lot of fun. We did a riff on our current Delta. These are just 3D printed, all put together um, and painted. And they, they work much like our other Delta systems where they magnetize the back. So this is the first time we would see this in our Star Trek world. Spock is also the captain of a Vulcan ship, so we had to do him a design. So we based this roughly on a design that was in canon, and we just kind of enhanced it, so this would be his Vulcan Delta. In episode 204, we go to Rigel 7, and there's a rock quarry in it. So we see Pike and his gang at the rock quarry. Um, so we had to come up with some kind of tool that they would use. Uh, we had a short turnaround time for this, these props, so basically, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, and we knew we had to break some kind of real rock that Special Effects was building us, so it had to have weight. So basically, all we did was take real sledgehammers that we bought, we dressed them up on the ends, on the mallet ends, added some detailing, and just aged it up to make it look kind of alien and foreign a bit. Um, we made a smaller version of it as well. Again, just something that we bought and then dressed up, and then we got some chisels and cut the ends off them, wrapped them in leather, aged them up, and they could be hammering away on the day if they need be. We just try to give it a lot of flavor and texture in the build. I've been looking forward to this for a minute. I'm very lucky today to be talking to the Enterprise's legendary captain, Anson Mount. Anson, it's great to see you. Thanks for making time for us today. Thanks, man. It's a... Uh... Good to see you too. I've been looking forward to this as well. Thank you for making this so easy for me this time uh, and allowing me to do this from my home. Congratulations on the success of season one. It was a critical and uh, fan uh, success. Everyone loved it. Um, the just the reviews are just unbelievable. Um, how does it feel now getting into season two? reacting to the incredible love you received from the from the first season talk to me a little bit about the reaction from your first 10 episodes honestly the the response was so much greater than we could ever have expected N nobody saw that coming i mean we felt like we had something but but it's important to remember also we shot that first season during the pandemic yeah. under lockdown and like the sets were all closed like we didn't have too much supervision so at the end of the day, we'd be like, well, I don't know, <laughs> that's felt okay. And with a show like this, when there's so much in post, you you really don't know how it's going to all look cut together once the CG is done and everything. But um, we felt confident, uh, but still we were bowled over by the response. This upcoming season, you were able to shoot it kind of the way we've always shot television, right? Without the restrictions, without the lockdowns, were you able to spend more time together as a group? and? I guess the question is not, did it change the dynamic, but did it enhance the relationships that you had formed when you had to have glass between you and that, that sort of experience of the first year? The biggest difference uh, in season two with the, the end of lockdown was that our writers got to come and be on set more, which is very important to the process. Yeah. 
because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, with a, with a play that spends years in development, as well as some screenplays, you know, the, the work is pretty much for the most part, the work when you start producing, but with TV, it's happening so quickly that the writing process is still happening as you're shooting. Right. Uh, more often than not. And also it's a writer's medium. Our writers are our producers. They are in charge of, of the vision. So it was really great to get them back on the set. It's, it's an incredible collaborative experience working with the writers that we do have. They're, uh, they're very, very talented storytellers, and we would be nowhere without them. I'm curious about production on this particular episode, and if you may not remember because I know it was a while ago, but this episode is kind of bookended by these scenes with Pike in his quarters and like the beginning of this is like, listen, we can't do this. We can't be in this relationship. It ha- you know, it's not working. Like we can't do this. Then Pike goes through some stuff, right? It is very intense and we will get into that. Uh, If I haven't said it yet, I freaking love this episode. He goes through a lot and then at the end, it changes him. That was a really impressive bit of acting from both of you uh, that I very much felt the change and the weight of the episode come through Pike towards the end. Well, this is also where, you know, you get those fortunate little overlaps between yourself and the character uh pike is i've said this before pike is closer to me than than most characters and in case you haven't noticed he he has he has some commitment issues a little bit (laughs) so yeah the it that scene was very well written because it was very clear it's about one of those moments of realizing the way in which you have been communicating uh is not only not working for you, it's not working for somebody else. It's not working for the relationship. And who are you kidding? Yeah. I'm so fortunate to have Melanie Scrifano to, to work with as a, as a scene partner because she is one of the greatest listeners I've, I've ever worked with. I was, I was thinking that this episode could have been set on just any planet, anywhere. Um, and the, the, the fundamental story could have been the same. I thought it was wonderful that the writers chose to make it Rigel 7. Yeah. It's such a whirlwind of, of emotion going back to Rigel 7 for, for Pike. Yeah. And, and um, that definitely helped to, to inform the performance and the flow of the episode in general, I think. It wasn't your fault, Chris. I led the mission. Whatever we find down there, it's on me. If it really bothers you, I'm sure Command would understand if we recused ourselves. Command offered us this assignment as a courtesy. It's their way of saying what we already know. Enterprise needs to clean up its own mess. I thought it was uh, really cool that they took a tiny little piece from the cage of their of a Pike leaving a man behind and really turned it into kind of a major story peg in this particular episode. Zach, you're alive. I I thought. Does it ease your conscience? I, I'm I'm just happy to see you. Are we? And to know this person. He's a KIA from the report. Only I wasn't killed in action. I was left behind. I think that what really impressed me the most about the episode was <laughs> this little idea that the writers plucked out of nowhere with the, the memory loss. Haven't you noticed how hard it is to think? The radiation here affects your brain. First, the ringing, lost time, fear. Then finally, the forgetting end. I've never really seen 
that kind of a thing is a nemesis in a Star Trek episode. It's it's so simple and yet so insidious that it reminds you as you're watching it that the 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 real engine of the enterprise is the expertise of these people and that if that goes away that's a real threat that just kind of came out of left field and i felt like watching it i was like oh of course that would be a a great thing to go up against all of your exteriors uh on 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 the planet are in front of the ar wall does it make a difference for you as an actor in finding those pieces does it does it free you up to like maybe lean into the environment a little bit more when it feels more three-dimensional, when it feels more like you are on the surface of a horrible planet somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to explain to people how much of your imaginative mind can get taken up with stuff that just isn't there on the day that you have to bring into the scene imaginatively in order for the scene to work, in order for your own performance to work and in a show like star trek there's a lot of that stuff yeah right um i mean i'm sure you've you've spent your time looking at tennis balls on sticks (laughs) right so many so many tennis balls it's great for us um it's great for post it's not (laughs) it's not great for the crew because you know you people forget that even though you're the walls have the environment. You actually have to match the the stage environment to what's on the wall. Yeah. So, you know, if we're going to do a shoot in the air wall, it's a weak load in to, to create wow. the actual physical environment. Like, cause we're trucking in dirt, we're trucking in sand, we're trucking in snow, you know, anything that, that, that we need to help match what's going on the walls. Uh, but when you see it in action, it's amazing. The, uh, the, amount of weight that comes off your shoulders as an actor. Gosh, I can only imagine. And you're just there. Yeah. Right. Cause it, and it's not just the walls. It's the, it's the ceiling too. The sky is there. It's amazing. I didn't know they're actually projecting it above you. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and also what they don't tell you is that, that in order to make it look like the depth you want it to look, the backgrounds have to move in coordination with the camera when it moves right yeah and there's all these different layers in the in the cg environment and so the computer program that handles the walls it's seeing everything through the camera lens it's moving according to that so when the camera moves everything moves and you have to be you learn you learn to get prepared for that um, by learning to focus on something that's right in front of you so you don't fall down oh man that seems challenging. It can be. It, it You learn to dance with it. Yeah. The costumes in this episode. The very first <laughs> oh, yeah. note yeah. I made as I watched it in all capital letters is, oh my God, these costumes. Weren't they great? And you get to wear the coolest <laughs> stuff. Uh, uh, talk to me about, mm. about just like how how fun it is to to get to do these different things instead of the uniforms are great, but when you get to get out of uniform, it's fun, right? Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, we have a brilliant con- costume designer in, in Bernadette. And she, um, I believe, did a little bit of research on ancient Mongolia. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But uh, you can kind of see that in the, in the influences uh, in those costumes. And man, yeah, they were, they were beautiful. You just felt like fighting when you put them on. Yeah, totally. Uh, 
and you felt secure. I really, really liked those things. They brought a, another essence of the culture on that planet, right? As, as all fashion does. Yeah. We're going to wrap up with a couple of questions that I know fans are dying to have me ask you. Um, so we'll start here. Uh, turns out that the Klingons are back. And yes. we have the Gorn. Just talk to me about uh, being a lifelong Star Trek fan, the captain of the Enterprise, getting to face down legendary Starfleet adversaries. What is that like? Well, when Akiva and Henry told me that they wanted to make the Gorn a thing, I was so excited. It was such a great idea. It's an idea that's been that's been coming for a long, long time that we didn't have really the technical ability to do for a long time. But that if you know, if you read the fiction, like the Gorn are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're really scary. Somehow, we we don't we don't ever bump into them. So I was very excited on 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 that level. Uh, as well as there's something behind, there's something in the idea of doing the Gorn that is so audacious and points back to an episode that we all kind of love in a kitschy way uh-huh. that I felt was a very right for the tone of our show. Yeah. Uh, even though we're not going for kitschy, obviously we're going for horror um, that I just felt like such a, a good, good fit. And um uh, we've had a tremendous amount of time trying to figure out how to make them the modern iteration of the Gorn come alive, and um, you know, all all hats off to our, our special effects crew and our post production team because uh, they've really been knocking it out of the park. We have to talk about this, Anson, and I'm sorry. We have to talk about Pike's Peak. They will hang me in front of the biggest conventions in the world and throw rocks at me if I don't talk to you about <laughs> Pike's Peak. Okay. After season one, your hair has become a character of its own. It has its own fan club. I believe it has its own entry on the call sheet. Um, did you ever think that that's a thing that was going to happen? Was there ever a moment in your life where you were like, I take pictures of myself every morning with my big ridiculous bedhead and people are like, well, I mean, it's good, but it's no Anson Mount. And I'm like, it's not a contest. Did you ever think that this was ever going to happen? Uh... No, no, I, I see. I'm, I hate grooming myself. I, I really, oh, I feel it's you. It's just so annoying. I, there are very few things I hate more than having to, to comb my hair and get ready in the morning. Yeah. Um, uh, no. And I, you know, I, I've never really thought of myself as having particularly, uh, um, uh, admired hair. Uh, <laughs> I get that. I, I think I think Colin Farrell's got great hair. That's good hair. Yeah, I mean, sure. Eh, okay, but they, uh, you know, they make me they make me look they make me look good. I I personally I I roll onto onto the lot and into the hair trailer and they do their thing and I go to work. <laughs> I have very little to say about it um, and let them do their thing. But I mean, I'm okay with it. I think that it's kind of cool that it's that it's become a. Uh, a thing it's 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 clearly clear that pike is being established as his own captain and and uh, i guess in that way as well um i i love how you roll with that 
Um, cause I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's kind of silly. If I were an, if, if I were the actor, I'd be like, maybe it can be more about the work and less about the hair. Um, but I, <laughs> but I do, but I do love, I, you know, it's, it's always nice to see someone and talk to somebody who is in, in, in the chair that you are in, uh, who gets it in that way and appreciates it. I do. It and I will admit, I will admit when they told me that, that, that they were going to name the, uh, one of the special features on the DVD, Pike's Peak. Yeah. P-E-E-K. I was like, oh, come on. Oh, uh, we, we love our puns in our DVD come on, can we let it go? Can we let it go? <laughs> but no, finally they convinced me. I was like, all right, fine. This is the last time I will bring it up for today because <laughs> right. we're done. Anson, thank you so, so, so much for making time for me and for everyone in the audience today. Uh, I deeply appreciate it and I know everyone else does as well. Will always a pleasure. I hope you visit us out here. I, you know, if when, next time you come to the East Coast, you'll have to swing up and spend a weekend. I cannot wait. Just try to stop me. In Star Trek's original pilot, The Cage, the Talosians create a series of illusionary romantic settings, including Rigel Seven for Captain Pike and a young woman. What is that woman's name? A. Vina. B. Marta. C. Layla Kalomi. Or D. Jem. Don't boldly go anywhere. Stay tuned for the answer. Back in 1964, when Rigel 7 was first introduced during production of The Cage, the planet's look was created by using a stunning, gorgeous matte painting. For this week's return to the rocky landscape, Star Trek Strange New Worlds production and effects teams used 21st century technology to recreate and enhance the original scenery. Here's a behind-the-scenes look at how that came to be. A lot of Rigel 7 we shot on the AR screen. We actually, as a cast, stood there for a while just looking at this environment that had been created for us and marveling at how, how beautiful it was. This is Rigel 7. Please, we must hide ourselves. So we know from the original series that Pike had an ill-fated visit to the planet of Rigel 7. Things didn't go so well. Bridge to Captain Pike. Apologies for the interruption, but we received a sensitive communication from command. It's about Rigel 7. Rigel 7 was a really interesting asset because that had been seen before in TOS. There was this very famous shot of the castle, which was a matte painting with a piece of physical scenery with uh, the artist walking through. That visual effect of Rigel 7 in the original series is kind of very uh, evocative and impressive. Even today, when you look at it, you're like, ooh, that's cool. You know, and it's like, it was weirdly its own kind of elusive mystery. There was a lot of debate as to how much of that matte painting we want to bring into our world, into our uh, production wall. We wound up sticking pretty true to the original, or I thought it was a pretty good homage to the original. We kept sort of that hint of violet throughout the lighting, moon big in the distance. So we looked obviously really closely at that and we wanted to respect that, but we wanted to make a much bigger landscape. And we decided to make it a snowbound landscape. So we made the landscape much bigger and we made the castle enormous. The castle actually developed from Jonathan Lee's wonderful mind where he presented a couple options that actually were more based on the AR wall itself. 
trying to show off the scale and scope of the planet. You know, we created the castle front and uh, we had a snowy surface, we had torches, we manufactured all of these rocks and built some really cool cages too that we had outside of the castle. And once you see it tie in with the AR screens, it's like you're there and that's really exciting. It's just incredible how they can do that. I'm still blown away by how that is possible to make it look and feel like you're actually there. Vaughn. You all right? We do have a few different locations on that planet that we go to that show us different skylines. It's a rather Scottish approach to AR. You get great value for money if you do this. You build one and you get three sets out of it. Good going. Move it. What is this place? Outside of our uh, hero sets, we shot in this beautiful cathedral church. Uh, we were on location for, you know, I think it was for a day or two, where we had created this beautiful interior castle, um, and we brought in all these medieval elements. I saw the cathedral kind of before it was all set up, and then afterwards, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing, incredible. This isn't a normal planet, but haven't you noticed how hard it is to think? Captain? What are you doing? Zach, what are you doing? <laughs> Zach, you're making a mistake! Hydro 7 changes people. I'm gonna have fun watching it work its magic on you. The loss of memory, it's such an insidious nemesis. You wipe a slate, right? Like, because you don't know who you are, you don't know why you're there. How do you deal with that? So it was a chance to play, it was a chance to ask certain questions, it was a chance to really work in each moment separately. This woman, she's my friend. I can feel it now. This show is not prepared like a typical television show. You know, there's a kind of tradition in television, which is like, well, we'll wait till the script's done. We'll see what's really in the script. We'll do it when we get the script. I mean, you'd shoot nothing on this show. New systems of functioning and preparedness are required because you can't wait for the script to be finished because an AR asset it has a lot of lead time. With something like Rigel 7, we take the map painting from the original series and then everybody in the art department and story and AR start building what's going to happen inside and outside that object. And so we sort of built it out. And then as we looked at it, we are like, yeah, we can't quite really do it exactly that way. The scale's off. And so we started evolving it and the world and the story all at once. And, and ergo, the return to Rogelson. In Star Trek's original pilot, The Cage, the Talosians create a series of illusionary romantic settings, including Rigel 7, for Captain Pike and a young woman. What is that woman's name? A. Vina, B. Marta, C. Leila Kalomi, or D. Gem? The answer is A. Vina. Although Pike and Vina failed to make the love connection the Talosians wanted, they would see each other again in Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, If Memory Serves, by way of more Talosian telepathy. My name is Will Wheaton, I host the show. My name is Will Wheaton, I host the show. My name is Will Wheaton, I host the show. The Enterprise crew may have lost large amounts of time because of weird radiation, but I haven't. I know it's time to share with you an exclusive clip from next week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. They uh, left behind quite a civilization. Got a theory about what happened to them? We are hoping the energy signature we detected might provide a new clue. Energy anomaly detected. That's the signature? Yes. 
Your readings are unusual. It appears to be some sort of stable vortex. A rupture in space-time. Gravitational radiation is headed right for us. Maximum power at the forward shields. Forward shields at maximum. My systems are crashing. Steering is compromised. How compromised? I'm turning into the skid, and the skid is taking us into that. Exactly, no. We crashed. I'm not gonna lie, that looks fascinating. It's been a pleasure to be with you again in the ready room. Thank you for letting me do dumb things like that. And a very special thank you to Anson Mount for beaming in and chatting with me today. Anson and Captain Pike, they embody the best of Star Trek. And I know, because I've spent a lot of time around the best of Star Trek. Next week, Jess Bush, who plays Nurse Christine Chapel, will be here to help diagnose everything about Star Trek Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 5, titled Charades. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. Live long and prosper. 